Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. Amanda's broken, so I guess it's a solo act today, and I get to just be all me, 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 me all the time. And what is Amanda going to do? She can't even tell me to shut up now because I can just keep going and going and going until she loses her mind. She's going ape shit right now. I can just see her camera, and she's just trying to get me to shut up, and mic's just not working. It literally started working, and she unplugged it. So... I don't know why her mic is all of a sudden going out, but you know what? I guess this just means that I am a solo act now. I'm a solo artist. Wait. Hello? Okay, okay. wait. There we go. <laughs> I, I, it's got to be the cord. I maintain that it has to be this cord. I don't know what it was, but it gave me a whole two minutes to go on a rant about you not being part of the team, or I don't know what I was talking about. I couldn't hear you because I was just dog cussing my microphone. Oh, I'm here. I can be heard. Amanda can now be heard. So my microphone is having problems. So excuse me. You're not excused. Oh well. Okay. Um. Well, hello. Welcome to episode fifty nine. Fifty nine. Where is this really fifty nine? I don't it think is. it is. I think it's like thirty four. Feels like it, right? Mm hmm. Well, it's it's not. It's fifty nine. So we're Ooh. we're going right along. We're we're cruising. <sighs> Anyways, well, how are you? You know what? I'm pretty good. I had a hey. headache all day yesterday. I had a little one today, and I napped it away. And thank God, the sun came out and cleared up the weather, and took my headache with it. I mean, I guess that's a bonus, right? I think so. Well, <clears throat> I'm glad that you're feeling better because I was going to ask how your head was doing since you canceled on me yesterday. It was bad. <laughs> she actually canceled on all of us yesterday. Yeah. So, I said, uh, I'm about to vomit. I can't talk right now. She really said bye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I appreciate the honesty of not wanting to record, but you didn't have <laughs> to make up some lame excuse. Oh, I mean, at least you got to, like, force your husband to put stuff on trees. To decorate. Yeah, we did some yeah. Christmas decorating. That was fun. Um, now that in, now that it's after Thanksgiving, I'm allowed to decorate. Also, speaking of... I love the Christmas. I like his feet, specifically. And I think I commented on the Elvis pig. I love him. He is pretty amazing. So, he is... He doesn't have anything in him, but he is fabulous. He is the king of pop, or rock. He has soul in him. Well, I said he's the king of rock. <sighs> well, would you like to hear a little story and we can badmouth Cody while we're doing it? Absolutely. Okay. I knew that would get you. It's the badmouthing Cody that gets you every time. Every time. As if I need a reason, but I take them. So... We're going on this cruise and we had had to get our boosters done for COVID, which mm -hmm. that's fine. I don't care. Um, every time I've tried to schedule the boosters so far in the past, hasn't worked out so well, right? It I've gotten sick. Cody's gotten sick. Something's happened. Mm -hmm. So we finally scheduled them. I am boosted. Cody is boosted. But before, we could not find our vaccination cards because we have to take the proof of vaccination with us. Yeah. 
so we couldn't find our vaccination cards. Well, I found mine, couldn't find Cody's, right? And I'm like, this is, this is annoying. I don't know where his is. And he kept trying to blame me. Well, you lost it. Well, mother effer, it's your vaccination card. It sounds like you lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're an adult. Right. He sat there and tried to blame me for losing his vaccination card. When in reality, he lost it. Mm-hmm. I found a way that I could just pull it up on my phone for proof of vaccination where um, Utah has them documented there. So we don't even need the vaccination cards anymore. As oh, soon awesome. as I find that new app that they have, all right, it's probably not new. As soon as I found that app, the day, same day, I found his vaccination card. Where was it? Was it in his car? It was on the ground. What? It was just on the ground. Outside? Oh, in the house. It's on the ground. Um, what's really weird is I know I had searched that area before. So, and lately, Cody has been noticing things go missing, and then he finds them in the weirdest spots. Some supernatural shit going on in your house, and it wanted you out. That's why it's like, here, here's your stupid vaccination card. Now, for the love of God, go on this cruise. (laughs) It's like you're stressed. We can see it. You guys Mm -hmm. won't shut up about this cruise. Mom and dad need to go so I can throw a ghost party. I was going to say, it's for the uh, the ghost kegger they're going to throw. <laughs> ghost kegger. I just hope that the cats are okay with it, because the cats are staying home. <laughs> and I told one of the cats they could be in charge. Well, so, then you better get this permission. Uh, I'm sure Onyx will not care that there is a ghost kegger going on. She'll probably, <laughs> like, call the police on it just for fun, you know? She'll cat- be that type of person. For the catastrophe. Yes, exactly. Come up with that one all by myself. All by yourself. All by myself. Well, that's my story. I just thought you'd appreciate it. Along with, I don't think you ever checked your Snapchat, so I'm just going to explain it to you. Maisie does this real annoyingly cute thing. Uh Uh-huh. Super annoying, but it's very sweet that she does it. When we give them bones, she likes to sit on either me or Cody and chew on the bone. And so me being me, I thought, okay, I'm going to lay down for a nap. This was hours ago, by the way. Um, I'm going to lay down for a nap and try to get, you know, just ready to go for recording, blah, blah, blah. No. Absolutely not. I am not allowed to nap. She, the second I laid down, all of a sudden her full body right in my face and she just lays down and starts chewing on her bone. Her bone was close enough. It was like she was trying to put it in my mouth. It was disgusting. (laughs) And it's very sweet that she trusts me enough with her bone, with her prized possessions there. Mm -hmm. But my God, it was so annoying. You didn't want to taste it? No, not even a little bit. Oh, that's... She brought you that out of love. I don't think she really wanted me to chew on it. She just wanted you to smell it. She just wanted a safe spot to chew on it. And if she's right in my face, the big dogs won't take it. So she's smart. Yes. (laughs) So it didn't matter what way I laid. So she did that. I turned and laid a different way. She brought it over and got right in my face. And it was full body, full fluffy body in my face. It sounds like a good uh, sleep mask. A good way to smother someone. I feel like you're being negative. Instead of a pillow, just use her fluff. And say, sorry, the dog fell asleep on her. No big deal. You might be onto something there. Yeah. 
I know. I know what her ultimate plan is. She's practicing. <laughs> so lucky for me, I roll around in my sleep. So she's not, she doesn't get a chance to really lay there for long. You hear that, Maisie? She's a fighter. You're going to have to change tactics. You're going to have to be sneaky. <laughs> also, I bought them dog toys today at Sam's Club. Uh, did she remove them from the closet herself? No, because I she actually removed them from the car. Does that <laughs> count? Kind of. Uh, not yeah. quite, but it's, it's, it's a start. Listen, she was so excited that I was home. Also, we had Peanut this weekend. Obviously, I don't have her anymore, but we had Peanut. And she was real sick of Peanut. <laughs> so she uh, needed those toys. Yeah, so she needed the toys. But also, she I let her come out to the front and um, help me grab groceries and stuff. Mostly because I know she'll stay next to me. She jumped in the trunk, saw the toys, grabbed them, jumped out, couldn't figure out what to do because the box was bigger than her. Mm-hmm. Attempted to drag them in and then just whined until I took them in. That sounds about so. right. Granted, she had to wait. I made sure to take everything else in the house. Now that sounds about right. You are not going to out petty, Bryce. I don't know if y'all have discovered this or not, but it's a fact. Yeah, no, sorry. You know what? She got her revenge. That oh, That's what it was. It was a revenge. That's why she put her full fluffy body in my face. Figured it out. Can't petty Bri- can't out petty Bryce, but I feel like Maisie is a close second. She is coming in real hot on my heels here. She's learning from you. That's the problem. So I've got to stop. Yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Maybe one day she'll turn it on Cody. Oh, she already does. Perfect. Continue on your way. Yeah, Both of you. Fine. All right. All right. Well, do you want to shout out an area that we did not choose in advance this time? Or do you want me to choose somewhere? Washington, D.C. Hello, Washington, D.C. I saw that one on there the other day, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Y'all are like the capital. The and y'all capital. listen to us for some reason. I mean, we don't even listen to us. Yeah, I really don't. If I do, I feel like uh, I just, no. I'm very disappointed in myself. I do make Amanda listen. I have to listen. You have to listen. I occasionally listen. I make her listen when I need help coming up with a name for an episode. Mm -hmm. Which honestly isn't often. You pretty much do that on your own and you're really good at it. Shout out to Bryce. Bryce names all the episodes, y'all. Uh, yes, I don't know how. They're all stupid names, but you know what? They all make me giggle. <laughs> this is a look into our psyches. Yeah, don't don't ask questions. Just accept <laughs> it. It's fine. All right. Well, thank you, Washington, D.C., for being here with us. We really do appreciate you. I've always wanted to go to Washington. I don't really know why. I feel like they're classy. I think it's probably all the movies based in Washington make them seem very classy. And so I think that must be an actual representation, right? I mean, it has to be because everything in the movies is true. That's what I was taught. Everything in the movies yeah. is true. Like, their movies would never lie. Yeah, no. They can't. That's illegal. <laughs> movies never lie and everything you read on, online is accurate. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, well... Thank you, Washington, D.C. We do see you. Uh, we gla- we're, woo, what? 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 Huh? We are we glad, do we glad you're here. We do we glad. <laughs> what? We do we glad you hear. <laughs> we do we glad you hear. You listen. 
I don't, I just went back like 10,000 years here. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> Me, Amanda, happy you listen with ears. <laughs> Me, Bryce, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We do also want to shout out our Patreon. That's up and going. We're getting specials up. You do get early access for all levels of support there. Um, we've got some specials planned as well as a couple specials getting ready to be released or one special that will be split into two. Whoops. At least. (laughs) (laughs) We did not mean to go that long, but you're (laughs) welcome. We got real into that game in case anyone was wondering, but thank you for listening. If you want to donate so we can do more fun things and more deep dives, go to Patreon where you can donate there. Or uh, if you just want to support us in another way, you can like and follow our social media, Instagram, Twitter. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, those are Hell on Heels podcast. Twitter is Hell on Heels pod. Um, And then we do also have our Discord up and going. Amanda and I actually use Discord for like everything. We're always on here. Mm -hmm. So can confirm if you want to harass us there, you know where to find us. And that's on Discord. Um, I think that's everything I got. Check. Well, I have also before you before I forget, I also want to publicly lay dibs on Krampus. (laughs) I can't make any loud noises because there's a sleeping toddler. I think she's a toddler now. Toddler starts at one, right? Started at two when they started toddling. But she's been toddling since like nine months. Oh, Uh, I think she's still considered a baby. Can I say infant or is it baby? I don't know. Because one year old is just too much to say. I could say 12 months, but I don't want to be one of those moms because I'm not good at math. Yeah, a toddler is two to three years of age, according to Google and the CDC.gov. So she's a pre-toddler. Yeah, she's a pre-tod. Okay. Yeah, I can't make any loud noises because there's a pre-tod on my chest, but just know that I'm not happy. But I'm also (laughs) so happy. I'm so excited. So, yes, uh, that is coming up. We know Christmas is right around the corner. You kind of messed up my schedule, though, by your story this week. So I've yeah. got to figure out which day I'm recording. We're doing that one. Sorry. When I tell you what it is, though, you might be a little relieved slash happy slash excited. Slash which, by the way, y'all, uh, I so we were supposed to record yesterday and while my headache was still manageable, I literally text Bryce and I was like, would you be upset if I told you this was a two-parter? Uh, and she wasn't. So this is her fault too. But this is a two-parter. Yeah. Sorry but guess about what? That. It doesn't involve children. Hallelujah. Because we have <laughs> a lot of stories that involve children lately. Yeah. It's been like, what, at least three weeks back to back. So we're sorry. So. We're sorry about that. Sorry, um, not sorry. But moving on. Moving on, this week, I decided to do my story on one that I love, and this is the Summerton Man. Okay. Have you ever heard of him? Hell yeah. off the top of my head, so. Okay. Well, we're going to go all the way back to December 1st, 1948. Police were, nope, police were contacted at about 6.30 a.m. and informed that the body of a man was found on Summerton Park Beach in Adelaide, South Australia. Hold on. We've been doing a lot of Australia stories lately, too. What was the other one? I remember the I did. Family. The what? I did the Sharp family just the other day. 
That's what it was. Well, we're we're back in Australia. I like us. I would like to go to Australia. I would love to go to Australia. I just don't want the big bugs. Uh, I would like to go to Australia wrapped in a mosquito net. I would like to go to Australia in a place where there are not big bugs. So I don't have to be wrapped in a mosquito net. I think you should just not go to Australia then. I would like Australia to figure out a solution to that so that I can go to Australia without worrying about giant bugs. Thank you. We can put you in a bubble. Okay. Okay, bet. Cool. Okay. Uh, He had been found laying in the sand across from the crippled children's home. I don't like that word, uh, but that's what it was called, so I used it. He was laying with his head and shoulders against the seawall, his legs extended, and his feet crossed. There is a picture of where he was found. It was the second one, and he was, you know, X marks the spot. He was found on that little X. And you can see there's, like, a big, like, the children's home is up on a bridge. There's about, I think it said 25 steps down to the beach. And he was laying right next to those steps. He was wearing a white shirt, red, white, and blue tie. Patriotic. We love to see it. Brown pants, socks, and shoes. A brown knitted pullover a fashionable gray and brown double-breasted jacket. And this was believed to be American because of the specific way that it was tailored and I think the thread that was used as well. He had on no hat, which to me, I'm just like, okay, he don't have a hat on. He was missing his hat. Yes. But in 1948, this was absolutely unheard of. You cover that shit up. No one wants to see the top of your head. Dare you expose your head like that, sir? It's completely just unrealistic. I guess. I mean, he was on the beach, so I guess it could have blown away. But I don't know. They did make note uh, that it was weird. They also made note that he had no wallet and no ID. He was clean shaved. All of his clothing had the tags removed. Which back in that time was also really, really strange. I don't like tags on my clothing. But apparently in this, in this time period, from what I read, clothes were either really expensive or hard to come by because of the war. So a lot of people, I think pretty much it was just normal, it was common, for people to write their names on the tags of their clothing. So the fact that all of his were removed that was really, really strange. They also found an unlit cigarette on the right collar of his coat, just laying there. And in his pockets, they found, good luck with these, an unused second-class train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, a bus ticket from the city believed not to have been used, an aluminum cone that, comb excuse me, that had been manufactured in the USA, a half-empty packet of juicy fruit, a pack of Army Club cigarettes, but the cigarettes, the uh, specifically seven cigarettes inside the pack were of a different brand called Kinsitis. And from what it said, the Army Club were like a cheap, very affordable brand, and the Kinsitis were super expensive. So they thought you, that was... Why uh, wouldn't you just like flaunt the Kinsitis? Exactly. That's what they usually... People would buy Concitus and put cheaper cigarettes in it so people would think they're more, you know, well-to-do or whatever than what they are. 
but they thought it was strange that this was backwards. I think it's strange that it's backwards as well. I concur. I do think it's strange, but also I think it was my little brother that did this. He would buy expensive cigarettes and he didn't want people bumming off of them because he would buy cigarettes that were like, I don't know, like $7 a pack. Is that expensive? That feels expensive to me. It feels expensive, but I don't know. I don't. When sm- I smoked, I paid like 5 or $6 a pack and that was expensive. So <clears throat> that was a long time ago, though. But he used to do that so he wouldn't have to share his delicious question mark cigarettes i don't know i don't i don't know but i still feel like i don't know did people what year was this again 1949 in the 40s did people really like bum cigarettes off of one another 1948 i'm sorry in the 40s did people really (laughs) bum cigarettes off of one another I don't know because I thought back in these days cigarettes were like a quarter a pack like that's not I don't think that's an accurate thing but like everybody smoked nobody had even heard of lung cancer everybody's smoking so like everybody has cigarettes yeah that like I feel like I guess I don't feel like I've seen as we spoke about those movies earlier and they clearly don't lie I don't feel like I've ever seen a movie that's set in like the 50s 60s 40s where someone is smoking and they bum a cigarette off of someone else. I've seen them bum a light, but not a cigarette. A light, but not yes. an actual cigarette. So I agree. I don't so, know. Really, I don't know. But Well, that's the first in a lot of really strange things about this case. I'm here to tell you. Okay. They also found a partial box of Bryant and May matches. Now, the coroner believed this man to be Britisher in appearance that was a quote britisher he believed him to be 40 to 45 years old and he was in like this guy worked out he was in peak physical performance they said that he was wedge shaped so he had broad shoulders he had a narrow waist he was five foot eleven he had gray eyes and they did make note that he had small strangely shaped pupils gray eyes yes i don't feel like that's a normal eye color i mean i don't my dad has gray eyes so to me it seems normal and we're still not really sure if annie's is gray are gray if her eyes are gray or blue uh but his eyes are gray but it might be like i don't know blue runs in our family so they might just be like a shade of blue that looks gray does that make sense yeah say i've never heard of gray but i was wondering if it was maybe blue Yeah, that's at least what I think of it, because they do look gray, but I don't know. Are you Googling it? Gray eyes. (laughs) They look blue. The pictures on here look blue. Yeah. So to me, it's just a shade of gray. It's gray with a blue undertone. Yes. It's a blue gray. I would still call it blue, but that's just me. They also found, uh, or I'm sorry, I was on the description. Gray eyes. small strangely shaped pupils his hair was fair to ginger and it was graying at his temples is he an alien no oh he is a man uh but he does have strange teeth they found that as as well um and it's just keep note of it because they found that it's actually a genetic thing where he did not have incisors 
I think is what it was. Basically, his canine teeth, they were farther up than what they should have been. They were like one tooth up. So instead of being here, they're like right here. I don't like that. Yeah. And they said that it was, it was quote unquote normal because this is something that he was born with. They just thought it was, it was weird. And it's something that you wouldn't really notice unless you were like looking for it. Uh, he also had no defensive wounds. And they said that his hands and fingers were actually really clean and well taken care of. They had no signs of physical labor on his hands, which they thought was also strange because this is wartime in the you know, 19, late 1940s. It also seemed that they were pretty heavily focused on his feet and his legs because one of the pathologists wrote that he had big and little toes that met in a wedge shape like those of a dancer or someone who wore boots with pointed toes and pronounced high calf muscles consistent with people who regularly wore boots or shoes with high heels or performed ballet. So is he a ballet dancer? Uh, well, spoiler alert, we don't know. Can you stop spoiling things? Well, stop asking questions. Like, just stop spoiling everything. You spoil Annie, you spoil the story. Like, what are we supposed to do here? Hey, I have not spoiled this story. <laughs> the time of death was listed as 2 a.m. December 1st, and the cause was presumed to be poison. Um... I will say that, yes, the coroner listed his death as 2 a.m., but when he came up with this, from what I read, he went strictly on rigor mortis, which is not an accurate way to tell death. There's, like, a lot of different situations and a lot of different things that you have to take into account here. I mean, not to mention the fact that the man was outside. So, just saying. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. The autopsy. How dare you throw things in there? Okay, look. You get used to it. No. The autopsy showed a lot of congestion. It showed congestion in his brain, throat, stomach, spleen, and kidneys. His esophagus was covered with whitening of the superficial layers of mucosa with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. And his stomach was food mixed with blood, quite a lot of blood, and acute gastritis hemorrhage. In the liver, there was also a lot of blood way too much blood and in his spleen uh well that was three times the normal size which is less than great i'm not a doctor but i don't think it's good when your organs are that big probably not i don't think that's what you want to see or feel or deal with yeah the pathologist stated, I'm quite convinced the death could not have been natural. The poison I suggested was a barbiturate or a soluble hypnotic. They found that he had eaten a pasty. Pasty. A pasty? Amanda, do you know what pasties are? Not the boob pasties. <laughs> he did not eat a bra. Be... <laughs> I don't want to be the one to explain it to you. No, it's a pasty. I'm pretty sure it's pasty. I looked it up. Pasty. It's a British pastry. <laughs> it's not a sticky bra. Uh, they found that he ate this about three to four hours before he died. They did test it, and these tests were normal. They found no poisons in the body or the 
pasty. And the coroner was unable to reach a conclusion as to the man's identity or the cause of his death. So they had their suspicions, but they couldn't find anything that would help them, you know, like put it down on paper, basically. People came to try and identify the body, but it never led out to anything. The fingerprints could not be matched in South Australia, so they sent them out to be tested around the world. Still no match. And they even sent out for his dental records, which, like I said, he had that very rare genetic, uh, I don't want to call it a disorder, but the genetic teeth thing. Nothing came back. They could not find anything that matched him. So since the body couldn't be identified, it was embalmed on December 10th and 1948. As police investigated and started releasing things, you know, to the media and to the public, multiple witnesses came forward to report seeing a man matching the description. A couple reported seeing the man lying on his back around 7 p.m. November 30th. They told police that the man fully extended his right arm. Then it went limp and he dropped it back down to the ground. At about 7.30 to 8 p.m., after the streetlights were on, another couple claimed to have seen the man, and they told police that they did not see the man move during the half hour he was in their line of sight, but they did notice at one point that he did change positions. They assumed the man was either drunk or asleep because they actually talked about the guy because they said mosquitoes were swarming him and he was not reacting to them. So they thought he was, you know, something's wrong here. So is he an alien? No, maybe. (laughs) One of the witnesses also told police she remembers seeing a second man looking down at the sleeping man from the steps in that picture, which, okay, that sounds kind of weird, but also there's a man laying on the beach. Like it could just be like, oh, is he okay? Like, what is he doing? You know, that kind of just curiosity. All of these witnesses reported that the man was in the same position when the police found him. So if they found him at 630 in the morning, or they got a call at six in the morning and people are reporting him at the earliest 730 not moving, that's a long time. Later in 1959, uh, about 10, 11 years later, because it was, he was originally found the end of 1948. That's why I say somewhere around in 10 to 11 years. Another witness came forward and said that he told police that he and three other people saw a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders along Somerton Beach the night before they found the body. We just need to learn to call authorities when something sketch is going on. Yeah, the forties. I know it's a different time, but let's learn from our mistakes, okay? Okay. About a month later, in January of, oh, I'm sorry, about a month after the original witnesses came forward, in January of 1949, workers at the Adelaide Railway found a brown suitcase that had been checked in to the coat room at 11 a.m. November 30th in 1948. And this suitcase stayed there until January, so roughly a month before they were like, this hasn't moved, no one's come and gotten it, it came in on that day, this is kind of weird. So they called police. Police came and investigated, and they found that the label had been removed from the inside of the suitcase, and inside of it was a red-checked dressing gown. I understood this to be a robe, like a red-checkered robe. 
a red felt pair of slippers, four pairs of underpants that matched the brand to the one that was found on the body, handkerchiefs that also matched the one found on the body, pajamas, shaving utensils, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, stationery that was unused, and pre-stamped blank envelopes. There were no socks in this suitcase, which is also strange. Like socks, but you gotta bring socks. Yeah, like even but if you if don't you like don't them, don't like socks. Maybe he forgot them. Everyone forgets something when they're packing. Nobody in their right mind is gonna bring a freaking sweater and a suit coat or whatever he was wearing. You know, wordage, and not bring socks. This man brought one pair of socks. What if he forgot? Maybe that was like they were in the washing machine. And he, they were hung up to dry or whatever they did in the 40s. And he forgot to pack them. But he brought handkerchiefs and four pair of underpants. But maybe those were clean and that was what he could pack first. Maybe. I'll allow it. I have bought, I have bought socks on vacations. I don't think it was that easy in the 1940s, but who knows? I'm Not just me. saying people, we're all human. We all forget things. It is perfectly possible this man just forgot to pack socks. Also, so now he's a human. To add socks to. <laughs> well, now I need to add socks to my packing list. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know if he's human. Maybe he is an alien and doesn't understand what <laughs> socks are meant for. He didn't need to keep his antennas warm where he was going. What if he doesn't have antennas? I, I don't know what to tell you then. So that wasn't all. They also found this little kit. There's a picture of that up there as well, and it contained a screwdriver and. Somebody, is that a makeup brush? No, it's a stenciling brush. So kind of, it's makeup for cargo. Okay. Dr. Abbott, I'll talk about him next week. He was brought in uh, kind of like as backup on this case. He did make note that the screwdriver specifically was an electrician screwdriver. I don't know what that is, but there you have it. Also in the, in the kit was a table knife cut down into a sharp instrument, two pairs of scissors, one broken and one with sharpened points, a small square of zinc, and the police assumed that this was used as like a protective sheath for the knife and scissors. It also had six pencils and a stenciling brush. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't a table knife already sharp? I would think so, but I when it said it was sharpened down to be short and sharp, I thought maybe it was like a butter knife. Oh, okay, okay. I guess not everybody just sets their table with steak knives, Bryce. I've got to have it there for protection. <laughs> what if I need a weapon? But wouldn't it be better to, like, tape it to the bottom of the table? Because then you're just, like, inviting anybody that walks into your house that you have, like, Six steak knives sitting in placemats on the table. Oh, no, no, no. I don't have a table that big. Okay, so four. I still don't have a table that big. What do you have? A bistro table? We no, we just have our island, which has seats for three. Oh, okay. Okay. So but I don't knives. I don't invite people over to my house. So Cody gets one, I get one, and even at that, Cody is some days he doesn't get one. Sorry, Cody, just use your <laughs> teeth. Sorry, Cody, you pissed me off today. Figure it out. I cut it into bite-sized pieces for you because you were acting like a child. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so 
Typically, uh, the stenciling brush was used on ships to mark boxes. You know, like you see shipping fragile. They would use that to put those on there. And police, again, believe that this kit was one that would have been used by a third officer on merchant ships. Because typically the third officers are the ones that are in charge of labeling the cargo. So that's where we're kind of going with this. They also found in the suitcase, there was a thread card of orange wax thread. And this thread was not available in Australia. And this orange thread was used to patch the pants on the inside that the man was wearing. So with all these, they're like, it's got to be his suitcase. They did find that most of the tags and the labels had been removed from the clothes in the suitcase too. I th or like I said earlier, due to rationing during the war, it was really common for you to label their clothes. Uh, and it was also common to buy clothes secondhand. So they're trying to figure out, okay, maybe he's either trying to not be found or he's broke, you know, and he just got these clothes secondhand from somebody. Most of the tags were removed, but three name tags were found. They found T. Keen on a tie. They found Key, Keen, excuse me, on a laundry bag. And then they found Keen, but this time without an E on the end of it, on an undershirt. Couldn't fit the E in there. Mm -hmm. The first two had the E's on the end, and that last one did not. Police used all of these names and checked missing persons reports, but found that there was nobody missing by that name in any English-speaking country. So they came to the conclusion that... He's an alien? He was an trying... An illegal alien? Either the man... Okay, that's possible. Fair. Either this man or somebody else was trying to hide the identity of the person. They also found dry cleaning marks on three different items. Do you know what that is? Do you dry clean your clothes? I don't. That's expensive. I, I don't have the time or patience or money to dry clean my clothes, nor do I buy clothes that need to be dry cleaned. Like, I can't afford clothes that need dry cleaning. I've accidentally bought clothes that need dry cleaning, and guess what? No, they don't. They do just fine in my washer and dryer. So We're far. just saying. Yeah. I had to Google it. Because I didn't know what that was. But apparently, uh, dry cleaners, they mark clothes in a specific way. And most of the time, it's... I don't know if this is still accurate nowadays. Because you have, you know, franchises and stuff like that for dry cleaners. But back in this time, at least, dry cleaning marks were highly specific to that dry cleaner. So they checked around and they did a nationwide search, uh, search and nobody recognized these marks. They also checked the train records and found nothing that seemed to belong to this man. Even though he had the tickets and stuff, they just could not find him. In June of 1949, the body was re-examined by pathologist Sir Burton Cleland. This man was like, Cleland was, this man's impressive, okay? He's a sir for one thing, so. I was about to say, he is a, he, you address him by sir. I could only. When I realized that, when I did a little back search, he was well-known and extremely educated. So the coroner reached out to him for help with this case. And Cleland made note that the shoes were unscuffed and had been recently polished. Which is weird because it kind of ties back in to that 
other witness statement that came in 10 years later saying that he saw a man carrying a well-dressed man on his shoulder. Because if you're walking around the beach, I don't know how many of y'all have ever walked on a beach. First of all, why are you wearing shoes? That's just more difficult. And secondly, they are not coming out unscuffed. If you're walking around on a beach, you take your shoes off. You don't need... Look, he was going to a beach. He didn't expect to need socks. Maybe that's why his calves were so insanely intense. Because he just walks on the beach in shoes all the time. Maybe. I don't know. But they would still be scuffed. I'm here to tell you. It was also strange to Cleveland that police found no vomit and no diarrhea at the scene. And there were no convulsions reported by any of the witnesses that saw him. He did agree with the original coroner that heart failure seemed to be the cause of death and that it was probably likely to due to Summerton Man being poisoned. But while searching the clothes that Summerton Man was wearing that night, Cleland found a small piece of paper rolled up in a pocket that people use for pocket watches. How police missed this, I'm really not sure. But the paper, the little piece of paper was ripped from a larger piece of paper and it was believed to have been from a book and it read, Tamam Should. So police released this information to the media in the hopes that somebody would come forward with more information. Meanwhile, they had to get this body out of the morgue. It's been there like six months. So they had to get it out of the, out of the morgue and buried. But they still didn't know who this man was. So they had a taxidermist come in and make a bust out of the head and shoulders using plaster. And then I thought that was interesting. I'd never heard of that. Heard of that either. So, uh, so I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, it makes sense. That's just kind of cool. So he was buried on June 14th, 1949 in West Terrace Cemetery. And his plot and headstone were donated by a local bookmakers association because they didn't want him to just be like an unmarked grave. So the headstone read, here lies the unknown man who was found at Somerton Beach 1st December 1948. During the spring, flowers would be left on this grave at certain times up until the late 70s. Nobody knows who's responsible for putting the flowers on this grave. So he is an alien. It, it could be. They did ask one woman, police did, ask her if she knew who he was when she was leaving the graveyard one day. And the lady was like, I don't know who you're talking about. She didn't know anything they were talking about. So I assume they just like jumped this lady and was like, he's a Somerton man. And she's like, I don't know who she's that like person. i'm here to visit my grandpa please yeah. calm down i was here for a funeral can you back off not long after burying somerton man a reporter contacted police to tell them that the words printed on the paper were persian and they translated to either is over or is finished kind of creepy isn't it what's over or what's finished is he a hitman oh <gasps> He's a 1940s hitman. He is an alien hitman at this point. An illegal alien hitman from the 1940s. Without a hat. He forgot his hat. That was the part of the cover was blown because he forgot his hat. This reporter also told police that the paper seemed to be from a book called The Rubiot of Omar Khayyam. The Rubiot of Omar Khayyam is a book of poetry. That ends with the words, Tamam should. Days after being buried, a coronial inquest was held. Witnesses were recalled. 
they didn't they didn't change at all they said you know pretty much the exact same stories the coroner and the pathologist were called and both of them testified they believed that the somerton man died of heart failure when it came to the note found in somerton man's pocket cleland testified that he believed that somerton man took the poison in an attempt to take his own life they also consulted cedric stanton hicks a professor of physiology and pharmacology at the university of adelaide and he testified about a list of possible drugs that he believed could have been used to poison the victim now at the time i also thought this was kind of cool these poisons were not released to the public until the 1980s he didn't want to say them out loud in the courtroom because they were so easy for people to get so he wrote them down on a piece of paper and kind of like smooth slid it to the judge. The judge, he was like, "Here, mm-hmm. take my love note." Yes, it's cyanide. My... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you weren't far off. They were. Uh, he believed that they could have been either digoxin or strophanthin, and both of these were like herbs. You could just go out to the garden and pick some. I think it's digoxin is foxglove. You said that like I know anything about plants. I know um, how to kill plants. Intentionally, no, but I can do it. Oh. Keep your plants away from me. Will do. Okay. Both of these drugs are used as cardiac glycosids. They're used for congestive heart failure and arrhythmias, and they're both highly toxic, and neither of them could be traced. Digoxin works by storing more calcium in the cells within the heart, so it makes the heart work better if you have, well, I mean, you know, off the top of my head, congestive heart failure. But in large amounts, digoxin overworks the heart and it causes cardiac arrest. Strophanthin, here's a fun fact for you. It was originally used in Africa for poison arrows. Oh, so, so he's a hitman <laughs> from Africa. <laughs> This is really great. I love this. I love where you're going with this. This is wonderful. I love it. Okay. No one would suspect it. Strophanthin became a replacement for digoxin because it works in the same way. But in large doses, strophanthin can also cause heart problems. And since neither can be traced, this was what he like smooth slid to the judge. The inquest was from June 17th to June 21st. And the court's findings were inconclusive. Well, of course. Yeah, they don't. They don't know who the guy is, and they don't know what killed him. I solved this case. <laughs> well, now it's about to get stickier. So hold on, because you got more to do. On July twenty third, an unnamed businessman brought his copy of the Rubiot in because his copy was missing the final page where Tomum should should have been. He's told police that he and his brother-in-law had recently visited, or not recently, I'm sorry, they had visited the beach on November 30th. And he remembers this because they, he said they had went to see some kind of air pageant. I, I think that's like, you know, the Blue Angels or, you know, like, the, what? Like, well, we had the Blue Angels on the Gulf Coast, but it's like it pilots. Oh, like, air like an air show. Yeah. Okay, well, you said the Blue Angels, like, I know what they are. Well, you kept nodding so furiously, I couldn't finish my sentence. I was just this... shrugging. I, I wasn't <laughs> nodding either. I was shaking my head, like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we're going with it. What was it? Yeah, the air show. 
the fancy pilots that get in and make the smoke rings and stuff and then fly through them. Yeah, they do that. Well, I don't know about the air rings and the smoke rings or whatever, but I do know that when um, BYU plays on occasion, they'll they'll do an air show for them. Okay, those things then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, guess yeah. in Australia they call them air pageants, which is so much better than an air show. I just I do like that much more. Australia's got class. They went there for this air pageant, and. He said he left the windows in the car down, and when they got back to the car, they noticed uh, a book in the back seat, and they both thought it was each other's, so neither of them mentioned it. What's weird to me is this guy, he goes into the police station, and he tells them this, hey, me and my bro-in-law, we're just broing out at the beach, watching some planes fly, and found this book just like that me and my bro-in-law were just broing out bro just broing out with the windows down and bro, bro. you gotta add the bro or what out with the windows down bro i don't think they say bro anymore i think it's bruh bruh yeah we were just broing out bra with the windows down and came back to a book of love poems in the back seat bruh, bruh. <laughs> yeah and he tells police hey Maybe don't put my name in here. And they're like, okay. So we have no idea who this guy is. Huh. When police compared the book to the little scrap of paper, it was a perfect match. And so next week, I'll go a little more into what they found in the book and some suspects and some theories. Listen, you already know my theory. <laughs> yes, but can you say it one more time? Because I kind of lost track of it. Oh, he is a, a hitman from Africa. Uh-huh. And that's why he didn't have any tags. He had to hide his identity, obviously. But his cover was blown because he forgot his hat. But what about the thread and the very American jacket? Like, all a part of his cover. He's got to lead people to believe, just in case he loses something, that he's American. You hear that, y'all? You got to lead to believe. <laughs> you just got to convince people that you're American, and then he's golden. He's like, I got this thread imported from America, and then he sewed his shit up. It's like, now they're going to think I'm American, for surezies. I'm an American, not an American. Exactly. But what he didn't realize is that he drank the wrong drink. Uh-oh. Whoops. It wasn't the pasty. Pasty. No. He didn't eat any pasties. We established this. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> you actually love it because I'm here to give you entertainment. Yeah. So that's my theory. I think that's we'll probably see. everyone's theory. We'll see if uh, that changes next week. Uh, I'll forget it by the next time we record. <laughs> I'll have to do a little summary. Yeah, you'll have to type it up. A Summerton Man summary? This- Summerton Marie. I don't know where I was going with that. I've been drinking, okay? <laughs> I know. I saw it. Your glass says, it's, what does it say? It's the good shit? The good shit? The good <laughs> shit. I like it. I haven't had that much, okay? Yet. I've got a beer. A root beer. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't count. I could go get a beer. Do you need to go get a beer? Oh, God. <laughs> You probably shouldn't move. Amy physically attacked you. She put hands on you. She really did. She shoved her arm into my throat. Like, her. it wasn't even her arm. It was her, like, this hard part of her palm. Her hand. 
Yeah, we got to stop watching like karate movies. And she's learning. She's learning. Is she fighting? Is she trying to wake up? I think I, I can't tell with her elbow in my mouth. <laughs> she looks like she's awake. All right. Well, that was a great first part of the story. While we did that, I figured out what I'm doing Krampus. So I'll give you a spoiler right now. That'll be next episode. Hell yes. Because it's got to come out before Christmas. So there you go. A um, little spoiler for everyone. You're welcome. Um, it was really more for Amanda so that she doesn't get mad at me. Because I publicly mm -hmm. called dibs on it. It's also already dibs on the drive too. I think. It's, it's you got drive dibs yeah i think i got i think i could be wrong i don't really know what happens with the drive anymore point being is that i called dibs publicly i did call it on the drive as well so it's mine um but i've okay. got a story for you today okay about a demon is that this guy <laughs> no he's not the demon i'm sorry to burst any bubbles nope Okay, so it's not uh, Darren the Demon. No, it's not Darren the Demon. I'm so okay. sorry. It's actually... So did I ever tell you that my darling husband used to play with Ouija boards? Is that what's wrong with him? Probably. Oh, my God. Do you want me to ask him? He is home. Yes, I really do. Y'all see why I shit talk Cody? I mean, part of it is just a love-hate relationship. But... Listen, I don't know if his Ouija board days are the reason, like if that's why he has what he calls friends now. Oh, he said no, it was before that shit. So he just decided to make it worse. Ouija board, if you follow the rules, that's not really scary. Bullshit. That's like the shittiest kind of bullshit, too. What? Who the fuck's played it? Me or you, woman? Huh? I can guarantee you I ain't playing it. Ever. They're not allowed in this house. First off, uh, if you play it really, really stoned, it's fucking awesome because you can see the spirit come onto the board. That sounds like the absolute worst time to play that. Anyways, so to answer the question, no. Did, wait, did the Ouija board increase your number of friends? No, but interestingly, uh, whoever played with me with the Ouija board, they would always talk to the same person that I talked to if I walked into the room. So basically like he, what he's saying is the Ouija board wouldn't be working until Cody showed up. Yeah. No? So imagine I've never met you and Amanda. Okay. You guys are playing the Ouija board and then I show up to your house. Why are you at my house if I've yeah. never met you? <laughs> party. It's a party trick. Okay. okay. And I don't touch the board. You guys start a new session. Me and, me and you and Amanda have never talked. Still haven't talked, but I'm in the house now. You start a new session, you ask who's there, and that person would show up on your guys' board, even though there's no way for you to know who that person was. You get the fuck out of my house. It's like a, it's like a Ouija board ghost stalker. Yeah, you get out of my house and never come back and take this you're board not, with you. You're not allowed to take a board into Amanda's house. And I get at this, I, the feeling at this point I get is that you're not allowed in her house. So you're not supposed, one of the rules for the Ouija board, you're not supposed to play where you live. Well, Forever. if we were at Amanda's house, we're not playing where we live. You still don't want her to play. You know what? Maybe I'll do an episode on just Ouija boards one day, um, and I'll have Cody tell us all of his experiences. That's Sorry. a really good idea. Right now, we're going to end that. And Thank you, my love. <clears throat> Anyways, so according to Cody, 
No, the Ouija board is not why he has friends. He already had friends. But either way, he's still dumb for playing. Yes, I agree. Yes. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about some of the dangers about one specific demon when playing with the Ouija board. Do you have any guesses on who that is? Does it start with a B? No. Oh. It is not Beelzebub. No. What's it start with? A Z. Is it Zozo? It is Zozo. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) I don't like that. Okay, let's go. So we're going to talk about Zozo the Ouija board demon. He has also been referred to as the green-eyed demon, the gentleman, Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zoza, and Abacus. <laughs> cool. Okay. Just a couple. Um, just a couple. Little disclaimer. Zozo's origin story or backstory, there's not a lot. <laughs> okay. There's nothing consistent that I can find. There's nothing biblical. There's nothing in really anything that I could find that linked him to any specific demons from anywhere there are a lot of theories and i will say that i've heard a lot of podcasts talk about different things with greek origins with the three-headed dog and a tattoo with zoso on it however i could not find any documentation on that so i'm not going to talk about it okay Uh, so i do feel like there are a lot of people that will grasp at straws from what i've heard about his origins and again, it could be that there are a lot of gaps in the Zozo history. Um, or some theories are that Zozo is fabricated by the power of thought. Hmm. So a lot of people actually mention like they try to draw a connection between Zozo and the uh, Mesopotamian or Babylonian demon called Pazuzu. Now, in Babylonian times, Pazuzu was a personification of the West Wind. He held kingship over the Lilu Wind demons. He was considered basically the king of other demons. Um, he was very destructive, very dangerous, but he was known as a protector demon and he was repellent to other demons. So he could safeguard a home from other demons' influences. And uh. he was particularly protective of pregnant women and mothers. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, oh, wait, so we're friends. Yeah, we're friends with Pazuzu. Okay. Um, again, I didn't, I did a quite a bit of reading about Pazuzu, but I could not find really any connection between Pazuzu and Zozo. The only connection that I could find was actually from the movie The Exorcist, which was released in 1973. The demon in that movie was named Pazuzu. Oh, okay. So that's the only like connection that I could find between the two. And I also found it very strange that people are drawing this connection because Pazuzu is considered a protector demon. Like, right. Yeah, he's still a demon, but he protects women and children and pregnant like. It didn't really make a lot of sense. So again, there were a lot of podcast sites and articles that do list them as the same being, but with no, nothing to really support it. So I do want to shout out there. It, it's obviously a possibility if, you know, this is all real. However, I struggle to see this because I just couldn't find any links. Zozo often appears in Haitian, Vodun, and Western Christian and some other African religions. He is said to be a fallen angel. He was banished from heaven eons ago. Um, There are tales of Zozo that seem to go back as far, at least documented tales of Zozo that appear to go back as far as 200 years, if not more. The name Zozo is first mentioned in the, at least written, um, where we can draw a firm link there. The name Zozo is first mentioned in the Dictionary Infernal, which was actually a French, French writing. It was published in 1818 by... 
I don't know how to say his name. Um, <laughs> Jacques. I don't know if it's Jack or something fancy. I think it's usually like Jacques. Jacques. I don't know. Um, Jacques Colin de Plancy. So Plancy is what he's going to be known as. He published this in 1818. And in this writing, the first known documented appearance of Zozo was actually 1816, according to this writing, where a young girl in France would fall victim to a demonic possession. Reportedly, this girl was possessed by three named demons, Mimi, Crapulette, and Zozo. Hmm. Now, it's reported that this girl would go down the streets on all fours. Sometimes she'd go backwards, sometimes forwards. She would walk on her hands with her feet in the air. She's, she was an interesting character, apparently. And nobody helped her? Yes, they helped her. She had an exorcism performed on her, and it said that when Zozo left her body, all the windows shattered. So, like, oh. a pretty strong demon. Yeah. Granted, I did find a couple of different articles that stated that that was actually translated incorrectly. And the sources stated that, and obviously I can't translate this, so I'm going off of what I can find online. So, again, a lot of sources say this young girl was possessed, but some other sources say when you translate this correctly... They actually mentioned that this girl was never actually possessed and it was like a hoax or a joke that this girl was playing. Now, with that being said, from what I could find, they still mentioned that while this might have been um, a false claim in the book or in the dictionary Infernal, it still used that to say Zozo's like a real demon. So from what I could find. In the 19th century, a French demonologist would describe Zozo as the guardian of the second circle of hell. He believed that in the Haitian culture, Zozo could be called upon to address problems caused by Loa. And Loa are powerful spirits that are known to just basically wreak havoc when they decide that they're going to go rogue. So they fall out of line. They're going to cause havoc. Basically, uh, Duverny, Duvernoy, I don't know. He claimed that Haitians would conjure the demon to force trap souls into speaking their names and then banish it with a Christian prayer. So how I understood that is when the trapped soul spoke their name, they would then no longer be trapped and they would be gone. But then they would banish Zozo with Christian prayers. So that sounds like a good thing to me. Or they would banish the the demon by using their name. So either way, that was one belief right there. Um, in more Western demonology, uh, Zozo, I've already mentioned he was created from fire by God. He was created on the fifth day of creation and wanted to be like God. Now, he's not to be confused with Satan or Lucifer, who also wanted to be like God, um, because there's a whole, whole different story with um, Satan. Zozo is considered to be Satan's evil twin, um, or a lot of people refer to him as that. However, a lot of people refer to a lot of demons as that, so take it with a grain of salt. Okay, yeah, fair. Um, now, Zozo, he might be powerful. However, he's limited in this belief. He's able to possess humans. He's believed to be very attractive. When people look into his eyes, they're said to get lost or like mesmerized and people just can't seem to resist him. Like they're not able to, like they kind of go into a trance. Is he Ted Bundy? Maybe. Maybe Ted Bundy was possessed by Zozo. That would make a lot of sense. It would make sense. Uh, however, he's, lim no, here's where it gets off that Ted Bundy track. Uh -oh. He's limited in his power because he can't use his powers outside of the home that he possesses. So if he does, he gets weakened each time. So unless Ted Bundy is like opening a new Ouija board with him every every day, I don't I don't know. Hey, look, he found out a way to make to get a girl pregnant while he was in prison. So 
fair, but also I don't know what to tell you there. He's a man of means. I, I guess that's accurate. Um, it's believed that Zozo is a symbol of Christianity's fear and objection of to the occult. In 1972, psychologists tested communication with para, with the paranormal by using the Philip experiment. I've mentioned this before. The basic idea is that um, you're basically using the power of your mind to create something, whether it's something such as a ghost or a demon or anything like that. So the principle behind this experiment basically says that, you know, our minds are powerful enough to create these different entities that we can't see or understand. And I'll actually do a, a deeper dive on this another day. Um, I just haven't been able to get into it yet. And so part of this is they talk about how the Ouija, bo- the Ouija board works on a principle called the ideometer effect. And basically, our muscles are able to make these small subconscious movements. We don't even know that we're doing it. We don't know that our muscles are moving. Like, I know my hands are moving right now. But if my hands were on the planchet of the Ouija board, I might not intentionally be moving it. But subconsciously, if someone accidentally flinches a little bit, my subconscious mind and body might start moving the planchet. Whether I... I get that. I could see that. Right. So basically, your muscles take over. Really, most skeptics believe this is what's happening with Zozo is you're just kind of your muscles are doing whatever they think is best, blah, blah, blah. Now, remember this because I want you to keep that in your back pocket or just something okay. keep it somewhere. OK, in 2009 is when Zozo was first brought to the public eye by Darren Evans. That is the Darren, the picture that you see on the drive. Darren, uh, he would go on to write an article about his experience with this demon. I did read the article. I'm going to summarize it the best I can. So basically, he talks about his first encounter with the Ouija board and the planchet where it flew between the Z-O-Z-O-Z-O several times, spelling out Zozo back and forth. In his retelling, he states that Zozo had come to take the um, Evans family to paradise, more specifically Evans's girlfriend to paradise. And when asked where paradise was, the board spelled out hell. So not the paradise I want to go to. Yeah, I I feel like we we might have a little uh, difference of opinion there. You know what? Maybe temperature-wise it'd be fine, but it's the fire and destruction. I just want a beach. Oh, no. The fire and destruction are fine. It's definitely the temperature for me. Zozo, while he might have started fairly nice, he goes on to kind of throw out some different obscenities at them. And at one point, he even believes that he threw some Latin and Hebrew obscenities at Evans. And during at least one of these communications with Zozo, Evans is doing his thing on the Ouija board, blah, blah, blah. And he would end up having to rush into the bathroom where his girlfriend had been giving their daughter a bath. And there was no sight of his girlfriend, but his one-year-old daughter was in the tub alone. And the tub had somehow been churned on and was just about overflowing. And his daughter was just barely above water. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, He was obviously able to save her. He shut off the water. And again, his girlfriend says she stepped away for only a second and the water hadn't been on and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of goes on to describe that his girlfriend starts going into this trance-like state and he, she kind of starts changing. And a lot of it is, he's like, she was very sweet, but she became very withdrawn and uncaring after this. The following day, after this whole tub incident, he had to actually rush his daughter to the hospital with an unexplained infection. He explained that this infection, like, caused her tongue to swell up so badly it was, like, hanging out of her mouth. Gosh, his daughter? His one-year-old daughter, yeah. Why are y'all gonna hate on the baby? 
On the the pre-Todd. The pre-Todd, I don't know. She was an innocent bystander. Evans grows to believe that, you know, his, his, this, this demon is affecting his whole life. Like his daughter is in the emergency room with a severe infection. His girlfriend is changing. And uh, after, you know, his daughter starts healing and stuff, guests that come to their home begin complaining about seeing noise or hearing noises in the walls when they would stay with the couple. Objects would start being thrown. Guests would say that spiders would come out of nowhere. The lights nope. would flicker. Nope, I draw the line at the freaking spiders. spiders. No. At the spiders, yep. Doors would open and unlock on their own. The residents of the house would be awakened to the feeling of being choked. Evan specifically described this feeling where he was you know, sound asleep. He felt as though someone was choking him, woke up. He said it took about 30 seconds before he was able to breathe again. And then the following night, the same thing happened to his then girlfriend. So, again, he does believe all of this is, is Zozo. And he's speaking with a family about the, this curse that he calls it. And he goes on to say something about, I rebuke this curse in the name of Jesus Christ. And after he says this, he kind of describes this as like, as soon as the words are out of his mouth, they hear this loud boom and the house is vibrating. And he reports that it was loud enough to cause the neighbor to come check on them. After that, things calm down for a little while. And so he's like, I think me saying that I rebuke this curse in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, he thinks that kind of helped it calm down. However, they would escalate again. So Evans and his girlfriend, his then girlfriend split. I didn't look for a reason. I just know that they split. But he has a new girlfriend that he moved across state lines to be with. Same Z's. Sorry. <laughs> moved across the state lines to be with your new girlfriend. Well, now wife, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, cool. James. He's going to get pissed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not stopping anything that's <laughs> So basically, in an effort for him to kind of convince his new girlfriend to become a believer, they start messing with the Ouija board again. And they would start kind of doing some experiments with the Ouija board. Again, they believe they made contact with Zozo. And I mean, they I mean, they did some experiments such as they had someone write down a color on a piece of paper in a different room when, you know, everyone else was in this room they'd crumple it up and then ask what color it was and it would say what color it was okay i know this seems very cool and very appealing that that is like that would be like mm, that would be one for me but um whatever happened to just walking in the park going to a movie grabbing a coffee sound cool or appealing to me okay well then get a coffee at a graveyard oh wait you meant the paper thing yeah, no, I was oh. talking about the whole Ouija board experience. Oh. Doesn't sound cool or appealing to me. I yeah. mean, you can get all judgmental if you want to, but... <laughs> no, I, I, this is me agreeing. Like, there has to be another way for you to woo somebody. If you're into the creepy stuff, that's fine. Like I said, go to a, a, a morgue. Um, a visit a cemetery. Uh, pick some foxglove anything else go solve a murder yeah they have board games for that now y'all yeah literally anything else play uno everybody loves uno but not monopoly because that destroys families unless there's a monopoly's cheater edition that one's fun it still destroys families but in a fun way that's a thing oh it's i totally have it there's even handcuffs like obviously they're the cheapy ones but it definitely is a thing. So is it Monopoly Cheaters Edition? Oh, Cheaters Edition. Okay, I might have to rethink the Monopoly thing. 
I mean, again, it might destroy the family, but in a fun way. Look, it's on sale for $15.99 at Target right now. And can you really turn down? Look, it's on sale at, oh, wait, maybe this isn't Cheater's Edition. There is a Crooked Cash Edition that is on sale at Kohl's for $10.49. Oh, winner. I don't know anything about this one. Anyways, back to this this story. Um, because Zozo is not Mr. Monopoly Man. Okay. I promise. <clears throat> okay. Um, anyway, so they, I mean, they start kind of experimenting. Darren and his then girlfriend start experimenting and kind of doing this stuff. And I mean, at one point he even claims to have taken a photo of Zozo. I couldn't find this photo. So it was really, I mean, I'm not sure what to think of that. But <clears throat> anyways. Now, what's really interesting is after Evans releases this post in 2009, it's how many people come out of the woodworks claiming to have very similar occurrences. And so that's kind of where a lot of people are like, no, how could I over in North Dakota have this same experience that this Darren Evans and wherever had? Um, And a lot of this comes back to the similarities of how it happens. So basically uh, what they see is that the planchet will start doing like a figure eight just very rapidly before it starts doing, they kind of called it like a rainbow effect where it would go from the Z to the O, but kind of like in a rainbow pattern and just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so they're like, well, how did I have that same experience as him? We've never talked about it. I don't know uh, this guy, but blah, blah, blah. Anyways. Since then, Evans now calls himself a self-proclaimed Zozoologist. I will say Evans no longer says the name Zozo. And that is because he feels as though that's going to invoke the spirit. I don't have any Ouija boards here. I've already got Cody. The dogs have been fine. I'm not worried about it. I'm not saying that word anymore. (laughs) I know. I actually have it typed as Z in all of my notes. (laughs) Anyways... Um, I mean, again, he calls himself the a self-proclaimed zoologist. He uh, his home was investigated by Ghost Adventures, who were searching for answers about Zozo, season twelve, episode three. I will say, listen, Ghost Adventures—they have some good, very intriguing episodes. Um, they also have some episodes that feel very set up and very faked. I will say that this one did feel like a very dramatized setup episode i don't know if it was it just came off that way so um he would also go on evans would also go on to write books uh he cameoed in a film film called i am zozo and there are a lot of skeptics who cite a lot of inconsistencies with evan and they believe that his story is fake and he's just using it to now earn money right um, after years of him telling his experience, in 2016, a new detail he added. What? Am I Yoda? He added a new detail. <laughs> I was like, what? He added a new detail. Or what? No, in 2016, a new detail, a new detail he added. He added. <laughs> it's fine. It's, he, I have it written as he added a new detail. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Star Wars just took over and we're here. Anyway, so he adds this new detail and he states that his first encounter with Zozo was in 1982 after he had discovered a Ouija board in his then girlfriend's basement. And on the back, it had the engraving Zozo. Later on, he would go on and state that Zozo was actually engraved on the front where the word Ouija would typically be put. 
And so a lot of people cite like, okay, why is this new detail, first of all, coming out all of a sudden? You've been telling the story for five plus years. I mean, it's 2016. We're looking at you released this in 2009, seven years. So where is this new story coming from? Yeah, it's a little sketchy. Listen, I don't know. I'm just here. So really, what the point of telling Darren's story is just really to point out that he kind of he kind of is the one that brought Zozo to light. He's he posts this post, people come out of the woodworks to say this happened to me, and he just kind of went on to be that that person that brought him, Zozo to the public eye, right? Um now Zozo is typically summoned through the use of a Ouija board. However, it is possible to summon him through other forms of spiritual communication. So that would be like anything as like a seance or anything like that. Mediums. Okay. Uh, that okay, yeah. I was gonna ask because I was like what other types? And okay, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. When a Ouija board is used, you typically know you've made contact with Zozo when he spells out his name on the board. So he is known to be cruel, sadistic, a master deceiver, and a master trickster. He is reportedly able to cause severe physical and psychological damage to a person. Um, he'll make what was known or called as ghoulish sounds and noises. He'll break things. He likes to play on people's insecurities and on their fears. He He, sounds like not somebody I would want to come to a house party. Well, he's also what was described again as brutally misogynistic. Perfect. That's literally the only thing he was missing. Yeah. He likes to impersonate other spirits, as in their voices he's able to mimic. So like a ventriloquist. Um. I feel like that should be illegal and that Zozo should be put in spirit jail for identity theft. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah, so. But then Just, again, he's already in hell. So I think he's just doing his job at this point. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But he typically imperson- impersonates the voice of a spirit the Ouija board wielder is trying to contact. So if you were trying to contact, I don't know, Joe Santana. Um, <laughs> throwing out tickets. I don't know. Is that your neighbor? Is that why you like jutted your finger back? I don't know. Uh, No, this neighbor is great. I actually don't. Myron. That is Myron. Um, These neighbors, I don't know their name. And that neighbor, they just pet the dogs. So it's great. Anyways, uh, if you're trying to get in contact with Joe, he will impersonate the same sound. So he will sound like Joe. He will act like Joe. Blah, blah, blah. Um. And it's not uncommon for him to impersonate not one, not two, but three spirits at once. What? Yeah. Like they're all talking at the same time or? Well, no, I think he's just able to impersonate all three voices and he might kind of switch between which one he's impersonating. I don't like that either. He also messes with psychics. He likes to cause a lot of confusion. An example of this is if you have a psychic there and they're like, no, I only sense two spirits. Zozo might come through and be like, actually, there are nine spirits. Or he'll try to convince this psychic that he's this little boy spirit that's afraid of the malevolent spirit that does haunt the building. Right. And so, I mean, he just is really messing with people. I do kind of like that for him. Right. He's living his best life. He also really loves to watch and make people squirm, like out of confusion of what he's telling them. Like he likes to watch people be uncomfortable. And he really loves when 
gullible people fall for his deception. He's like, hell yeah, I tricked you. That's right. That's right. Okay, but see, mm, this part of him sounds kind of starting to sound fun, but I still don't want him here. Right? He also enjoys watching friends have a fallout. And he really, really enjoys it when it the fallout is from the lies that he's told. He sounds like a mean girl. Kind of, but a mean demon. He should be part of the plastics. Yes. And the Ouija board is his burn book. Yes. I think we figured it out. We know what it is. Now, some famous possessions that may or may not be attributed to Zozo, a lot of people attribute these to Zozo, is the 1951 Roland Doe possession, where a young boy is possessed after using a Ouija board. Amanda, you've already got dibs on this one, so... Yes. Uh, that one's already on you. In 1975, Doris Blither used a Ouija board and found herself and her family haunted by a dark entity, and reportedly it sought to harm her and her family. Um, between 1977 and 1979, the Einfield poltergeist, um, or the Einfield family, was tormented by a malevolent, malevolent spirit. Um, I actually have dibs on this one, so don't touch that one. Um, and then in 2012, in Tombstone, Nevada, there was a small group of soldiers who were off duty. They decided to mess with a Ouija board for fun. They made contact with an alleged spirit who told them he had died in Tombstone. However, on the way back to wherever they were going, the man driving was possessed and almost killed everyone in the car crash before the demon left him and he was able to regain his consciousness. Oh my god. So, there's that. Now, most of the Zoso reports I found were basically the same as Darren's. They have the Ouija board, the planchet would start doing its figure eight, it would bounce back and forth between the Z and the O, and that rainbow effect. Um, typically, interactions started pretty friendly and pleasant, and then they would change to hostile. They, a lot of people said they would be haunted or possessed by him, and some even claimed to be sexually assaulted by Zozo. I don't like that either. Yep. Now, interesting, that bounce back and forth between the Z and the O, some say it's because on a Ouija board, you're not supposed to spell things going from right to left. And so Zozo will do the spelling Zozo. He's actually opening a portal when he does it. So that's why he just bounces back and forth between the Z and the O and just rapidly just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's opening a portal. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. And I think I said that right. From right to left opens a portal. You're supposed to spell left to right. So you're supposed to spell backwards. Nope. I know my directions perfectly. It's because I'm backwards on your screen, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. You're not supposed to spell backwards. Right. So, again, that's what most of the reports I found were. I did find a couple more. I already gave you uh, Darren Evans' experience. I have a couple more. This one, one person refers to their ex's experience. So they say that their ex as a kid had played with the Ouija board. They had the arcing Zozo when they played with the Ouija board when they were kids. And this freaked out the ex or the, you know, this person's ex. And they did not close this, the Ouija board correctly. They didn't end the game. They didn't say goodbye. They just kind of sprinted off because whatever happened freaked them out. The lights flicker or whatever. And perfect for him. Oh, I'm sure. Well, basically, years later, this person meets them, meets their boyfriend. They move in and they end up finding this Ouija board. And they kind of ask like their their then boyfriend, like, what's up with this? And the boyfriend 
flips out. He's like, I've had weird shit happen. We basically saying we're haunted, right? Like we've always different experiences and he doesn't talk about it. He's like, I'm not telling you anything about it. I don't want to talk about it. But that was until the, the, the poster's phone starts glitching and it just spells out Z-O-Z-O-Z-O-Z-O-Z-O-Z-O. H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A. And she, this poster is like, look what's happening. No, and you so, could have done without the haws. Right? <laughs> the the Zoe constantly was bad enough. Right, right. And then laughing at me. And it's pretty common from what I can tell is that he does do a lot of the ha 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 ha. The poster claims that their ex refused to end the session. He's like, no, it's too late. Uh, no, I'm not engaging with that. I'm not engaging with that. And blah, blah, blah. And so the poster's like, fine, I'll go end the session. And they claim to have attempted to end the session regardless of everything that was going on. But then they ended up splitting. So they basically were like, that was my ex. I don't know if he's still haunted. I didn't enjoy the experience of my phone glitching and spelling out. Zozo, 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 zozo. It ha, sounds ha, like ha, a him ha. problem. Yeah, that's a him problem now. They did what they could. That's that. The next person kind of talks about their family and they're like, well, we were very spiritual, not necessarily religious, but spiritual in the sense of ghosties and such. Okay. Um, they very much believed in the paranormal, like so much so that they bought like, like cameras and voice recorders and stuff to, to kind of catch their own evidence. And so they end up buying a Ouija board and playing with their sister. And the first time they played, nothing happened. Second time, they made contact with the spirit, and they would go on to make contact with this spirit several times. And eventually, they decide, all right, well, we're going to, first of all, who brings a Ouija board on a vacation? It does not sound like a vacation. I don't know, but they end up taking this on a vacation. Them and their sister were playing, and they made contact with Zozo. Um, they had the arcing Zio, 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 blah, blah, blah. They hear noises near the fireplace. And they were getting responses on the board. When they heard noises, it kind of freaked them out and they ended the session. They were like, okay, goodbye, end the session. But they they kind of calm down and they decide to do it over again. And they start up a new session and they're getting some responses. But and that's until this board starts spelling gibberish. It's just L-A-A-H, L-A, or I'm sorry, A-L-A-H, A-L-A-H, over and over and over again. And they're like, what the f- are you doing? And they're getting annoyed. They tell it to stop. And that's, it, it escalates and it starts spinning out Zozo. The Z-O, 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 Z-O over and over. And the players tell it to stop. And it's just not stopping. Eventually, it just starts doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Just going through the alphabet. And they're like freaked out. And so they're like, goodbye, end the session. Ever since then, which this was posted 10 years ago and I didn't see an update. I didn't look very hard for an update either. This was enough for me. But ever since then, they're like, we've strange going ons in our house like we see things out of the corner of our eye we hear things their mother had even mentioned like she had a nightmare that she was fighting something evil in this dream and it was in the form of a plaque with strange inscriptions on it and they just continue to see things the sisters still had the ouija board when this was posted uh, they hear noises like uh, the poster described this banging noise on their door so loud that they thought there was like an intruder in their home i don't like this at all and i still feel like you know what is it first time shame on me if it happens again shame on you fool like once, shame on yes me. or fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me bless you yes exactly like that's why would you go back you got out of it you were good i don't you know you were so good and also i am never gonna want a vacation ever again 
Is it definitely now you don't know if anyone has played on a Ouija board where you vacation? That is absolutely why. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, but I can't help. Imagine booking a uh, what is it where you rent the houses? A Zillow? Nope, not that. Uh, Airbnb. Thank you. Imagine an Airbnb and you get there and the freaking fireplace is lighting itself and you find a Ouija board that somebody has just left. No, give me back all of my money and never talk to me again. And secondly, how dare you? Dare you rent an Airbnb, a Verbo, anything with a Ouija board in it? Exactly. You're supposed to clean that shit. But maybe, maybe it was the cleaners that left it. They were like, Haha, this will be hilarious. Those cleaners are probably underpaid. Probably. That's why you should keep your employees happy. So they'll bring a Ouija board to work. So they don't bring a Ouija board to work. Yes. Well, I said or, but I don't know if it caught the or. Oh. I didn't hear the or. I'm just saying that don't, don't piss people off. Maybe yeah. I should uh, take little mini Ouija boards to work and just slide, like, slide them under everyone's desks or like under their keypads and stuff. Wait, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> and just see if people say anything. Yeah. <laughs> just bring a, like, a, leave a Ouija board in one place and then just leave the little planchette that goes with it in the break room. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never thought I'd say I'd be buying a Ouija board, but. <laughs> Don't let Cody anywhere near them. I He won't be allowed near it. Don't you worry about that. Better yet, just have it shipped to the office. Directly to the office. Yes. Well, Attention no, Bryce. People will know it's coming to me. Wow, they shouldn't be going through your mail. Just order two things at the same time. Order, like, some nice uh, monogrammed pencils and then the Ouija boards. And when they're like, what is that? Oh, it's just some pencils. What if I order it to the house and I work from home and I do Amazon mm-hmm. and I just get it get to it before Cody does? That would work, too. Yeah, I think that's probably better. Then I can sneak it in, in my bag yeah. and be like, there's not a Ouija board in my bag. He's going to be able to smell it. And he's going to be like, where is it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. He, he's not allowed to. He, he knows better. <laughs> anyway. like instant divorce right there. You know what? He's lucky that we've made it this long <laughs> with all of his friends. Okay. Okay. That's fair. He better not mess it up. He knows better. Anyways, that's the story of Zozo. I've said it enough that if, if his name does hold power, he's going to haunt me tonight. You know what? I've got a holy stick somewhere. I don't know if it's a good thing for your sticks to have holes. Isn't that just a straw? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, it's like a... Oh, is it holy wood? I don't know. That's not any better. Either way, it's, it smells good. It's like it's like sage, but not. Okay. Well, I, just, I don't know. can't remember where I put it. That's not good. Zozo has hidden it from you. I thought you were going to stop saying that. What? I thought you were. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Never. Anyways. Okay. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Thank you all for listening to Helen Hills podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Hills podcast, Twitter at Helen Hills pod, um, Facebook by searching Helen Hills podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're where we are working to release specials for patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!